Gym Wars Prohibited. Dun dun dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. Before we jump into this episode, I want to thank everybody for checking me out, following me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at FightJunkie.com. Of course, listen to me on Anchor.fm. And check out the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash FightJunkie2006. And go ahead and sign up, sub with me, and then you get all the notifications when I put up new podcasts, new videos, what have you. Okay, Jim Wars. I'm sure pretty much anybody who's following this channel, listening to the podcast, checking me out on Twitter, knows what a Jim War is. But for those of you who don't, it's basically when two fighters spar in the gym and it turns into basically an all-out fight. This happens a lot, not only in boxing, but also MMA. Combat sports is filled with people who are what I like to call like alpha males, alpha females. Um, very strong-headed, you know, macho type. Even if they're technically skilled, there's an aura about them. You know, they're warriors. They like to go to war. They have no problem with it. The problem with that is your body and your mind can only do it for so long. That's just point. I don't care who you are. You can be the hardest puncher in the world, the guy with the best chin, never rocked, never dropped, you're still taking trauma. You can only do it for so long. And this has been proven over and over and over again. Some of the best fighters in the world, then one day you see them, boom, they can't even take a shot anymore. They're just crumbling. And that's because of all the trauma they've taken throughout their career. Most people incorrectly point to the actual fights under the bright lights as where all the damage is occurring. I contend most most of the damage occurs in a dingy gym somewhere with no cameras, no fans, just a trainer and a fighter, and that's it. Because over the course of their careers, they spend far more time in the gym than they do actually fighting. You look at boxing, even guys like Julio Cesar Chavez, who had over 100 fights, which is unheard of in today's boxing uh, society. You don't see guys doing that. You see maybe like, look at Mayweather, 50 fights, and that's a lot. Some of the smaller guys from Mexico and stuff, they can come over with 45, 50 fights. But still, we're talking, I mean, that's nothing compared to the amount of rounds they've done in the gym. So if they fought 100 times, can you imagine how many rounds of sparring Julio Cesar Chavez did in the ring and his boxing gym against ungodly amounts of sparring partners over the course of those hundred uh, professional fights. That is where the damage is taking place because it doesn't matter if people are watching. It doesn't matter if it's televised. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid. You're still taking damage. And yes, you have bigger gloves and yes, you have headgear, but it's been pretty much proven that headgear is for cuts and abrasions. And of course, every pro fighter should wear that because you don't want to be cut, have your fight postponed, these type of things. But as far as trauma, you're still taking trauma to the head. And even with the gloves, the bigger gloves, you're still taking uh, continuous trauma to the head over and over again. So even if you're not getting hit, you know, like Mike Tyson style, you're still getting hit over and over and over. And it's rattling your brain. That's just the simple fact of the matter. Now, everybody knows combat sports is risky. And there's uh, they're just like NFL, there's risks, you know, with the concussions and 
all these problems people are having after they retire with, you know, mental problems and depression. And there's a lot that goes into it. So, of course, you understand the risks, but there's ways you can mitigate those risks, too. There's ways to be smart about it. And there's this thing in boxing where I always tell you, not just boxing, but combat sports. There, there's just a bunch. Of, there's a whole bunch of pretenders. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth of the matter. There's a whole bunch of pretenders that, in my opinion, take advantage of fighters because, I've, as I've mentioned before, fighters are loyal. And most of the time, they're very humble and they listen to people that they trust. And these people abuse that trust and they mislead them into doing things that I think shorten their career. Not only just about the sparring, which we're talking about, but overall just training and overtraining. It's one of the reasons I believe that MMA fighters have far worse cardio and overall just ability generally than boxers. Not because they're not as talented, not because they don't have striking skills. It's because they are pushing their body way past the red line, way past the limit every single day. And of course, that talks about sparring because that's what we're mentioning. That's what this whole podcast is about. But I'm talking about from a strength and conditioning standpoint, a weight cutting, obviously diet. There's a lot of things that these fighters are doing wrong and they're being told wrong. And ultimately, they pay the price because the trainer, the strength and conditioning guy, the dietitian is still going to be working long after these guys' career is over. But it doesn't matter because they're saying, oh, go do this. Hit this freaking tire for 555 rounds. And then, you know, go do this exercise and go train jiu-jitsu and go train Muay Thai and go train boxing and spar and go go on the mat and do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so they're pushing their bodies doing all of this stuff where boxing has basically one discipline. Now, you can overtrain in boxing as well because you're doing stuff outside the boxing gym. You're doing your swimming or your running. You're doing your... Um, regular cardio exercises or your ab exercises there to me there's two separate things you've got boxing conditioning and then you've got additional conditioning additional thing additional things that you do that's separate that's done outside of the boxing gym so there are ways that you can overtrain of course but mma has so many disciplines that they have to know and be um well-rounded in that their body takes a toll just in training. I mean, it's ridiculous how much these guys have to do in a training session. And then sometimes they're doing two or three training sessions a day. Yeah, that sounds all fine and great. And you're getting ready and you're getting prepped and you look great and you feel great. And then all of a sudden you don't. Because your body can only take so much. You're not superhuman. I don't care who you are. So it's going to wear on you. So if you've got a lot of these guys coming to camp huge too. So then you're focusing on the amount of weight that you're trying to lose before you can even do any of the technical stuff. So you're out of shape, you're out of breath, your cardio's garbage, you, your technique is garbage because that always happens. When you get tired, technique suffers. So if you start out with terrible uh, technique and then you get tired, it's going to be even worse. So I'm a big fan of having proper technique because every fighter who gets tired loses some of that technique. But so they're facing all this adversity of putting their body through this, going from basically zero to a hundred. And then you're wondering why fighters are always having all these massive trouble now with weight. All these fighters that are coming out and saying, man, I wish I wouldn't have sparred as much. All the injuries that have, um, plagued the sport and canceled fights. They're just doing too much, too fast, too often. 
and it's going to have to change. But what, what, who's going to change this? Ultimately, it needs to be the fighters because they've got to realize that it's their health and their quality of life that's on the line. Like I said, these other people that are involved will be around the sport long after they're gone. So they need to make sure that they're stepping up and telling people, hey, you know, I think this is too much. I don't feel right. I don't feel good. I think I need to cut back. And I know that's hard because fighters don't want to do that. And that's one of the cases where I always say, like, if you have a legit trainer and you have two guys that go into a sparring match and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, it pops off. It should be the coach's responsibility to step in and say that's it for the day because the fighters are never going to do that. That's like fantasy land because fighters are fighters. They will fight. So if if for some reason somebody pops off and then the other fighter returns fire and all of a sudden it gets into a gym war where it gets out of hand, it's the responsibility of the trainer to step in and say, hey, that's enough. We're done for the day and let the fighters and the other trainers talk shit to them because they will. That's the environment. It's very archaic. Like it's very like caveman esque in there. And they're going to talk shit and say, oh, you suck and your fighter sucks and you guys are this, that and the other. Bleep, 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 bleep. You you guys know what I'm saying. And that's the way it's going to be. But if you're a legitimate trainer, you don't care about that stuff because what do you care about? You care about your fighter and not only that, the other fighter. Like there's nothing to be gained from that. I'm not against sparring. Let me say that out out front. I'm not against sparring. I think you need it. That's what separates legit sports, legit combat sports from non-legit sports. Quite frankly, you need to be able to be punched in the face and know what it feels like. And not only that, there's a whole technical aspect to that as well. But you do need it. But it's how much do you need and how much rest do you need? Well, there's not going to be a hard and fast rule here because you're talking about two different sports and how many different gyms where fighters are training at and how many different coaches or pretenders or legit coaches who run their shop totally different than another gym. An example, like Mayweather's boxing gym. You think of the champ, right? But that gym is known for their quote-unquote dog pound, where they just go crazy inside the gym. Yeah, that's that's not going to accomplish anything. It's really not. Like, you're taking years off your fighting career by doing that. You guys can go look up the videos on YouTube. I'm sure they're up there of the various fight, fighters that train there or even visiting and train there, and they're just treated like a bunch of meat that go in there and, you know, throw wild, crazy punches, like, you know, like they have no technique, nothing. It just turns into a street fight, even some world-class fighters. And you got to ask yourself, what are you getting out of that? Is it is it okay if it happens a time or two? Maybe. But in the end, what are you really getting out of that? It's more like bragging rights. And I thought these were prize fighters. I thought they fought for prize, which was their purse. It's kind of ridiculous that you're letting it all hang out in the gym. And and that's because the trainers encourage it. The environment encourage it, encourages it. Do you think the fighters is going to be the one that says, hey, I don't want to do this. This is getting carried away. No, because look at the stigma that would be put on him, even though it's the smart move. So I can't say, oh, you know, this fighter should spar X amount of times and this fighter should spar X amount of times. But generally speaking, especially for boxing, I like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. Now, well, I'll say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Jamie Varner, who was in the UFC, thought that he was sparring too much sparring Monday, Wednesday, Friday. He wanted. He said after he retired that he thought once a week was going to be enough. Well, again, I don't know what his gym environment was like. I don't know if it was controlled sparring. 
I don't know if it um, if it was supervised sparring. I don't know how many rounds he was going. There's a lot. I don't know if it was just full contact, everything, like as hard as you could go. I, we don't know, right? Only he can speak to that. But the problem with this is because if he thought three days a week was too much, then what else is he doing during that time, right? So he's doing his regular training inside the gym then he's doing his sparring on those three days and then he's probably doing some other type of strength and conditioning or dieting also so i could see where the strain on the body he was saying it was too much and maybe that's a personal thing maybe it was a gym thing maybe it was a coach thing again he would have to speak to that but that just goes to show you that for for him three days a week was too much he preferred one other fighters may say three days a week is fine Others say five or six, but I think if you're going to do anything more than three, it has to be technical sparring. By that, I mean like you get in there and you work technique. It has nothing to do with landing hard punches and absorbing hard punches. It has to do with actual technique about how you throw a jab and bring the jab back, how you pivot around, how you jab out, these type of things, real technical footwork, this type of thing that you're able to do against another live body. The problem with this is you've got to have another willing partner and this goes right back to having legitimate trainers because you have to be able to work with somebody that you trust this is another thing that the pros and Donald Cerrone spoke to this have issues with is these gyms that are basically like puppy mills just running people in and out of there are allowing people with limited experience or maybe they have experience but they're just got that attitude the chip on the shoulder to spar with pros who are getting ready for a fight who may be weeks away for, from a fight and these guys are trying to tear the pros head off so what does that force the pro to do well he's either got to stop the sparring which almost never happens or he's got to lay this guy out and then that's where you get into a gym war so how do you prevent that? Well, first, it's got to start with the fighter saying, hey, I don't know this guy, right? Like, I want to spar with somebody I, I trust. I need a, a good uh, sparring partner that can work with me. That's the first thing, because in the end, remember, it's the fighter's health on the line. If they don't want to do that, then you better make sure you have a legitimate trainer, a legitimate trainer that will make sure that you spar with people not only on your level, but mentally that are on the same level as you as far as what you want to work on. Is it a technical day? Is it a legitimate quote unquote hard sparring day? Is it just a I want to work on this type of sparring? Because though there are days like that, especially if you're in with somebody that you're better than. You can work on just throwing a jab and moving and then the other guy's basically going all out. But your talent is so much better. Like he's not hitting you. He's not hurting you. So he gets the work of fighting against a pro. And you get the work of being able to work against a live body. But nobody's really trying to do anything. The uh, novice guy may be trying a lot harder to hit you and hurt you. But because of the talent level, that never happens. So it's not a threat. Again, this is stuff coaches, legitimate coaches should know. They should understand their fighter. They should understand their fighter's ability. And they should understand the person that they're sparring and the other person's coach. There has to be a level of trust here. And I'm speaking from mainly a boxing area right there. Because a lot of times in the MMA gyms, they're, an, they're a whole team. So the whole team is working with like a handful of coaches or the same coaches. And boxing is different. In boxing, I come in with my fighter and somebody else is there with their fighter. So you really got to trust each other because you got to trust that 
that trainer to say, hey, what level is your guy on? My guy's still a novice. I want to get in and just work on some basic technique. We can have basic sparring, nothing crazy. Keep these guys under control if they get you know out of control. Yeah, that's fine. My guy's similar. They're similar weight. They're similar uh, skill level. Let's put them in. And it's supervised. I watch my guy. You're watching your guy. And we watch the overall sparring. In MMA, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes they pair up on the mats. And it's just like team sparring. So you see a whole bunch of people working just whatever they're working and the coach is just walking around. Well, that's all well and fine if the two people are equally matched and on the same mental level. If they're not, then somebody's not going to back down. And the next thing you know, you're going to have a gym war on your hands that maybe somebody's not even paying attention to. I consider that unsupervised. Even if he's walking around, he's not paying attention. You simply cannot pay attention to that many people. So that's a problem. If your gym is like that, you need to address it. You need to either say, hey, I need to make sure I'm having supervised sparring or I need to be able to spar with these guys, guys that you've sparred with before and guys you trust. Again, guys, I get it. Alpha males, alpha females, you don't want to come off like a puss. I understand. But your health is on the line. You've got a limited amount of time to be a professional fighter. It's that simple. No matter how good you are, no matter, no matter how many skills you have, no matter how hard you punch, no matter how good your chin is, once the brain starts getting rattled over and over, you're going to lose those abilities. You've seen it time and time again in both sports. So it's incumbent on you as a fighter who's doing this as a pro, even if you're an amateur that wants to go pro, to make good decisions. I believe, of course, the gym, choosing a good gym, choosing a good trainer, and choosing good uh, sparring partners. Now, sometimes you're in a position where maybe there's not a lot of choices in your area. But that doesn't mean you still can't control the things that you're involved in, especially when it comes to sparring. Now, your trainer may be telling you to do all kinds of crazy training as far as conditioning and stuff. And again, in my opinion, if you're feeling burnt out and you're like, hey, man, I'm feeling worn down, then you need to speak up and not just continue to do it and do it and do it and do it. Because what's the end result? You're the one that pays the price. Your body pays a price and you may pay the price in the actual fight by losing the fight or looking mediocre or injuring yourself or coming into the fight injured. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. So there is some responsibility for the fighters to speak up and take action. I know it's against the grain because you guys are loyal, you're humble, you want to do what your trainer tells you. But I think most professional fighters, certainly people that have been in the gym, even gym rats that just spar all the time, you know when things aren't right and you understand when you should be speaking up. Whether you do or don't, that's on you. But just like Cerrone brought up all those claims about Winkle John, but he was still there. So if they wanted to kick him out, he was still going to go there and be in that environment? Well, that's kind of on you, cowboy. Like, you're a grown man. You're a professional fighter. At some point, you need to go, hey, this ain't meshing with me. I need specialized this, this, and this, or I'm looking for somewhere else to go. And I think all fighters need to be selfish. I say this all the time. If your trainer's not working for you, if your strength and conditioning guy, if your dietitian, if your just overall gym environment is not working for you, then you need to do something and go find something, find somebody, find another gym. 
that makes it what you want it to be because again you've got limited time this is not you cannot fight for 30 years and retire with a pension that's not going to happen so you got to be in the game be smart get in get what you got to get and hopefully get out with all your you know marbles intact and i think that's a big problem a culture in these boxing gyms and these mma gyms are fighters being misled and shortening their careers. You hear more and more fighters that are coming out after they're retired saying they wish they should have done things differently. So there's no excuse for the newer generation of fighters to keep doing what the older generation says, I wish I would have changed. Look at James Tony, right? Technically, this guy was skilled. A lot of people laugh at him for his weight and stuff as he ballooned up. But you go research James Tony and what he was when he started. This guy was good. But look at all those freaking gym wars he had at Kronk. I mean, look at this guy. He's had, what, 70-something professional fights, I believe, as a boxer under the bright lights. But think about all those rounds that he sparred in Kronk and pure gym wars. That's the way they did it. You hear sometimes about that in MMA, MMA gyms that spar like that and just go to death. That's ridiculous. All you're doing, I mean, I don't even understand why why coaches would even allow that. Like, as a coach, it seems ridiculous that you're going to let your team, your quote-unquote team, just dismantle one another in the gym and think they can do this indefinitely and still perform under the bright lights and win. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't even know what's going through your mind at this point. I don't even know how you consider yourself a coach. I don't care what your technical skills are and your ability to teach anybody that would allow their team to go through that type of abuse day in and day out for as long as their career lasted and then take punishment inside the octagon under the bright lights is insane to me because unless you've just ignored all of combat history you should know the body can only take so much so what is it like do you get off on it do you just not care about these fighters are they just money makers for you? There's some disconnect here because anybody with half a brain would say, guys, you can't do this forever. The stuff that you do in this gym right now, you need to save that for the octagon. You need to save this for the big show because you are losing part of yourself every time you do that and you don't get it back. So I think um, Al Jermaine was smart when he said that he only sparred four times in a camp after he was coming off his knockout loss to give his brain time to recover. Now, again, I prefer Monday, Wednesday, Friday in a training camp, you know, just just to keep up on everything. But again, if you get knocked down, concussed, knocked out, you know, there's some real hard aspect to the sparring. Yeah, you may need to take more time off. It could be a couple days. It could be a couple weeks, depending on the person, what happened, how you're feeling, are you having headaches, uh, you know, are you dizzy? There's a lot of things that go into it. So for Sterling, that's what he thought. He came off the knockout loss and he said, I need to allow my brain time to heal. And he did what he thought was necessary and he came back and got a win and he just recently won. So he's on a two fight win streak. Listen, fighters have to do that because in the end it's your health. So you've got to make good decisions. Of course, I would prefer if everybody that was in the gym, that was training these guys on any level, regardless if it's a striking coach, a jujitsu coach, a strength and conditioning, a dietitian were actually legitimate and not plastic. Plastic equals fake. 
And that would help fighters a lot because, like I said, fighters are loyal and they get taken advantage of. But is that ever going to change? Ah, probably not. It probably won't until fighters start demanding better from their trainers. I've mentioned it many, many times about MMA striking. I'm never going to buy the idea because there's wrestling involved that you can't have good hands. It's ridiculous. There's been fighters out there who've shown it or good footwork like Mighty Mouse. He has excellent footwork the way he's able to move around the ring. Even Cejudo, who showed much improvement in their close fight, and he was a wrestler, has improved his hands tremendously. There's no excuse for it. It's just an excuse to have... Uh, inadequate trainers teaching you sloppy technique and then they just they just excuse it as oh well it's MMA so we can't have hands like boxers well maybe you can't have you know peer striking ability like a boxer but you should be able to have the basics you should be able to have basic technique you should be able to know that when you throw your jab it needs to come back and not drop down to your waist there's a lot a lot of things that these so-called trainers get away with under the um, disguise of, well, it's MMA, so it's different. We have to slack in these areas because we have to be well-rounded and do everything. I just, I don't buy it because there's fighters already in the game that have good striking ability and they're just a good martial, martial artist, a mixed martial artist. So that's one thing. I think fighters need to stand up and demand better, not only in MMA, but especially in MMA because it's newer. There's a lot more pretenders in the sport because you're talking about so many different areas that they're training in. So you've got all these different coaches where in boxing, generally, you're usually looking at probably two. Even the strength and conditioning thing is kind of meh. A lot of boxers don't really buy into the strength and conditioning and the dietitian stuff. They basically train boxing to fight boxing. And then they do their strength and conditioning, which is boxing training. And then outside of that, it's basic stuff. You know, their ab workout or if they're swimming or if they're running. You don't really need somebody to tell you to do that once you understand what's required and what you need to do. Do some of the top fighters bring them in? Yeah. Has there been mixed success? Yeah, there's been mixed success. Some fighters look worse. And again, what? why? Well, I contend it's probably overtraining. Like if these are not fight specific people it's different when you're training somebody to diet and they're just sitting on their couch at home you got to teach somebody to diet and still perform at a very high level while they're starving the same thing with exercise it's different when you're teaching somebody to exercise that gets off the couch exercises goes home and relaxes way different when it's a fighter who has to exercise and then go spar then go roll on the jujitsu mats then go do strength and conditioning with a different guy. Then go meet his dietitian and eat, you know, a plate of uh, chicken and lettuce. I mean, it's, it's just way different. So you have a lot of people with so-called, uh, you know, uh, titles and they're this title and that title and did this course and that course. But in the end, none of that really matters. All that matters is how you work with a fighter and how the fighter feels. And a lot of times, like I said, fighters are loyal, so they don't want to say they feel like crap. Maybe they don't know why they feel like crap. They think it's right that you're supposed to go balls to the walls six days out of the week. And then you're still questioning, like, why do I feel so bad? Why don't I feel like I should feel I'm putting in all this hard work? Well, because the hard work is traumatizing. That goes back to the punches. You guys realize that's traumatizing to the brain, right? Well, the exact same way you guys are overtraining and working so hard, the body, the body needs time to recover as well. So you got to have rest in there. 
And when you do work, you want to work hard and you want to work as, as well as you can. But you have to realize there's smart training and then there's just hard training. Most of the time, it's the young kids that do the hard training because they can get away with it. But as you get older, you start to get a little wiser and realize maybe I can't train as hard as I used to, but I'll train as smart as I can. And a lot of times that works. Hey, look, Bernard Hopkins, do you think he was training the exact same way when he was 47, 45 as he was when he was 30, 25? No way. Same thing with Floyd Mayweather, and he has bad hands. So you have to adapt, and you have to be smart, and you have to do things differently. And the fighters that don't do that will pay the price. That's been proven time and time again. It doesn't matter what sport you're in, you're going to pay the price. So if you're in the sport or thinking about getting in the sport, or you're a pro, or you're a world champion, you're an amateur, you just got to make good decisions, and you got to hold people accountable. I know it's easier said than done. But in the end, what is your choice to just go along with these plastic pretenders and injure yourself, shorten your career? God forbid something serious happens. We're seeing that with weight cutting. What, what's your choice? You can just go along that path and end up like so many other fighters that don't have other faculties in place, that uh, don't have the money that they should and are living, you know, very tough lives after they've given so many exciting fights. Because remember, guys, who's going to be there after all is said and done? It's not going to be the fans. It's not going to be the journalists. It's not going to be your sparring partners. It's not going to be your trainers. It's not going to be your gym mates. It's going to be your family and your real friends, and that's it. Those are the only people that are going to be around you to look after you, to take care of you, and help you with your needs if you can't do it yourself. So you've got to make very good decisions and realize all these people that you think are there for your benefit are getting something out of the deal. Your family, your friends, they're not getting anything out of the deal. They, they love you for who you are. Everybody else, they may like you, they may care about you, but when your career is over, are they going to spend as much time with you? Are they going to be, you know, over at your house? What are you guys going to talk about? What are you going to do? How often those relationships last? It's just like a coworker, right? You can have the best coworkers in the world, and then when you leave or somebody leaves, that's it. You may text, you may call every now and again, but you're not, you're not in that same relationship that you were when you saw everybody every day. So fighters have to make good decisions. Fighters have to be selfish. I say that all the time. You guys have got to be selfish. And if you're thinking about getting in this game, you got to make good decisions. If you're in a rinky-dink town with rinky-dink gyms, I guess do what you got to do. But you focus on trying to get out of there and get to a legitimate gym. What's a legitimate gym? That's different for everybody. I believe a lot of these big MMA gyms and even boxing gyms, I already spoke on the Mayweather gym, are places that have good talent and there's good uh, there's good things about them, but at the same time, there's bad things about them. And you have to realize going in if you want to take the good with the bad and if that bad is going to outweigh the good later on because, like I said, you only have so many rounds of getting punched in the face before you start deteriorating. It doesn't matter how good you are. It will happen. That's why fighters' careers end, and they normally end very badly if they don't get out early. They could be the most dominant force ever in their early 20s or even like mid-30s, and then all of a sudden it's like the bottom just dropped out. It didn't all of a sudden happen. It's just we didn't see it happen. Other people were seeing it happen every single day in the gym. 
And that goes back to just not giving your body enough rest. Will the rest prevent, will the resting of your body and brain prevent all of these things from happening? I don't think it will prevent all of these things from happening, but I think it can extend the amount of time that you have in your career. Obviously, my opinion, anybody in combat sports should not want to be a punching bag. I don't care if your style is to come forward, then you better come forward with good head, head movement and good technique. It's one of the reasons I see so many fighters in MMA take just an absolute beating. And it's fun. It's entertaining. But you go, how long can their career last? Perfect example is Diego Sanchez. Should he really be in the UFC at this point? Granted, he won his last fight, but go watch how he won it. There was almost no striking involved. You're not going to tell me deep down that guy does not know that he can no longer take punches the way he used to. Everybody who's trained with this guy has to know. And anybody who says that they don't know or calls me out on it is lying. Because you can see it in the octagon. If you can see it in the octagon, you can damn well see it in the gym. Because he's in the gym more than he is in the octagon. That's just the 100% truth. If you can already see it under the bright lights, then it's happening more often in the gym. And people are either making excuses for it or just turning a blind eye to it, but it's not going to make the problem go away. So if you're into the sport, brand new to the sport, you have to make good decisions. And if you're in already in the sport, that doesn't mean that you can't change things up and make good decisions from here on out. Because if you guys don't do it, I wouldn't rely on anybody else to do it. Do you really think a trainer is going to come up to you and say, um, you know what, I think I suck as a trainer. You get hit way too much. You need to find another trainer. Come on now, son. That ain't going to happen. So who's going to do it? It's going to be either like your family, your friends, or it's going to be yourself. And even though you may not admit it to anybody, you're going to know deep down, just like I said about punch resistance in the gym. Can say whatever he wants to whoever he wants about how he's going to make a run and be the world champion. Deep down, he knows if he does it, it's going to be totally different than the way he's used to fight. It has to. Like I told you about Mayweather, Hopkins, training and fighting different. You have to. The, the sport is unforgiving. It doesn't care what you used to do. It doesn't care what you want to do. It's only about what you can do. And he can't do it the way he used to do it. So he went to his wrestling. So that'll work for the time being until somebody stuffs him, hits him on the chin, and he's going to get knocked out. Predicting it now. Somebody's going to stuff him, hit him on the chin, and he's going to get knocked out. And everybody's going to say, wow, man, Diego probably should hang him up. But if he wins his next few fights, nobody will say anything until he gets knocked out again. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to have people around you that you trust, that care about you. And at the same time, you've got to be willing to make hard choices and good decisions. Because there's just no way that, that fighters can keep going down this path of having all these gym wars and all this brutality on their body as far as training every single day or five or six days a week and then fighting twice, three times, four times a year, depending on what sport you're in and what network and everything else. And I think that they're going to be able to do this over and over and over again. You have to ask yourself, how could the old-time fighters, especially in boxing, fight unlimited rounds, fight every two weeks, three weeks, over and over, and have hundreds of fights. They were just doing what they needed to do, literally boxing training. And then we got all fancy with all this tech, and we started doing all of these things to the body, 
and pushing it more and more and more. And then we're wondering why people are getting burned out. Man, most of the top fighters now will have what? 40 fights when they retire? That's a far cry. Fighting 10 rounds and 12 round championship fights when these guys at a bare minimum fought 15 and then before that, good Lord, like none of these guys would be able to survive that because that's all they did. They were in the gym or they were fighting. That's just pure boxing training, nothing else. I'm sure none of them had dietitians. I could tell you that much, or strength and conditioning coaches. You know what they did? They did things that were related to the sport. Even like uh, George Foreman chopping down trees and stuff like that. You know, he's a big power guy. He's doing stuff, create power, create that motion of power. But now we've got all these people that think they know better. that come in and pull fighters in all these different directions. And at the same time, they're pulling you in all these different directions. Your body is going in all these different directions. And then you've got this massive amount of weight cutting, which I believe is totally detrimental to the body and the longevity of the career, including the ability or inability to take punches because you cannot dehydrate your body like that, starve it to death, and expect that a grown man or woman who hits you on the chin is not going to spark you out cold. Your body is not meant to be hit like that in the first place. And then when it's depleted, and basically a shell of itself, and it gets hit and crumbles, people are surprised. So I hope everyone out there enjoys this podcast. I hope people make good decisions, especially with who they're surrounding themselves with. And if you feel, if you're a current fighter, amateur, pro, MMA, it doesn't matter to me, if you guys feel like you need extra rest, whether it's from a workout routine, strength and conditioning, if you need to change your diet, if you feel something's off, especially when it comes to sparring and getting hit, if you're sparring five times and you feel you need to go down to three or two, or if you're sparring you know, six days a week and you say, I want to add in two technicals, so let's go four and two. Whatever it is that you feel you need to do, I would suggest humbly that you tell your coaches, that you tell the people that are around you, look, I want to try this out because I don't like the way I'm feeling. I don't like the way this is going. I want to see if I can find a smarter way to do it. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will sock it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.